You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Soap here, excited to be joined by Anna Shayla Victorino, one of our favorite fellows from one of our favorite classes in 2013. Haven't talked to her in a while, so be excited to catch up and see what she's working on. Thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Anna, we had some adventures scheduling this because you had an exciting wedding you attended. Give us a scoop on that. Yeah, my brother got married um, a few weeks ago, and honestly, it was probably one of the my favorite memories to date. Uh, I was pretty involved in the wedding and in the actual mass, and then as well in the in the reception. So it's wonderful. And was the wedding here in LA or somewhere else? In San Diego, and it was actually really cool because I'm so I'm Mexican, and wife, uh, my brother's wife is is Vietnamese, so it was actually a a blending of Vietnamese and Mexican th- traditions throughout. So it was beautiful. My brother and my mom um, did some ballet uh, folklorico, if you're familiar with that, yeah, for, yeah. Their, for their mother son dance. And then, um, yeah, so they, and they were wearing, you know, very traditional Vietnamese and Mexican attire. So it was just beautiful. You know, we've had a few guests on who've either been recently married or have gone to weddings and we've had some, some wedding chats on the podcast, which is kind of unusual, but, but true. If you had to guess or maybe put out like what makes a great wedding in your opinion, how do you make sure that it, the ceremony is fun and engaging or how do you make the experience itself manageable? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think it really just comes down to um, having really great music. Um, <laughs> I think that's one thing. I think the the next thing I think is just really um, allowing people to, I think when you can make it interactive, I think that's really great. So when people can feel connected to the bride and the groom and the family, that's really great. So we actually, had a, I would say like a great, having a great MC that allows people to like be a part of the wedding is really special too. So we had an awesome MC that just like that ran the wedding and, and, and made it super special. I like it. Good tips. Well, listen, like I said in the intro, we haven't talked in a while. And it's always fun when I have NLC alums on who I haven't caught up with so I can hear all the yeah. new things that are going on. So I know a little bit maybe just from afar, I know you're doing some small business things and you're doing uh, some other projects. But yeah, give us a scoop. What are, what are you working on the most right now that has you the most excited? Yeah, so it's funny. So, um, you know, since we we last talked, uh, I went to business school after we finished after I finished NLC, and then I, I went to work at Semantic, which is a cyber huge cybersecurity company where I was a product manager. Um, and then during that time, I just felt really unplugged from from my community, just in the way that I was when I was involved with NLC. Um, so I was really missing that. Um, and then something that I've always been really passionate about is just health and wellness, um, physical mental, spiritual. Um, and so I was feeling a, a, a pull while I was at Symantec to that, um, to, to getting back into that. And so I had an opportunity, uh, Symantec wanted me to relocate or they wanted to relocate my role. And so, um, this was a several months ago now, and it was just that perfect time to just, to just leave. Um, I knew I wanted to do something on my own and I wanted to be in, in, in wellness and in health and again, reconnect with my community. So it was just the perfect time. And so what I've actually been working on for the last several months now is actually a self-care startup. Um, so it's a com- it's currently a combination of some life and business coaching, um, as well as a, a stress relief digital program. And we're building different programs. We're, build- we're working on that one and then building out different programs that kind of um, complement that initial. Um, it's a 10-day stress relief program. So we're building out some other things that, to go along with it, um, depending on what people's needs are. And then um, 
So that's what I'm doing on a work front. Um, also, part-time, I teach Introduction to Software Product Management, which we can talk a little bit more about as well. I know some people, if you're not in tech, are not as familiar with that. So that's what I've been working on on the, on the business side. And then um, also, like I mentioned, just getting more plugged in with, with my community. So I uh, recently joined the board of uh, Los Angeles Education Partnership, which is uh, LAEP, which is an edu- education equity nonprofit here in LA, doing wonderful things. Um, and yeah, just getting plugged in with um, some of my college um, alumni board. So just just really feeling integrating myself back into to LA, and and it feels wonderful. So going back to the startup, I'm sure you looked at a lot of other companies that were in the um, coaching business or in the the wellness space. What things did you see that you felt like were coming up short that you felt like you could offer something different? Yeah. So um, what I what we've been seeing, what me and my partner have been seeing is that a lot of these different programs, they, they focus on a lot of them are like meditation apps, mostly, um, or focus on one particular modality. And so um, and what we found is that not, not that doesn't necessarily work for every meditation doesn't work for everyone. I mean, it can help. It helps most people, but it's um, it was most of these programs or apps or, or whatever, we're just focusing on one particular thing and not really blending all these different things together to really provide a true stress relief program. And, and to also be like measuring how you're doing in terms of um, like, are you actually reduce, relieving your stress? Are you actually reducing your stress? So we were looking to provide something that kind of gives you an introduction to recognize your stress um, then actually gives you tips into how to relieve stress in the moment and giving you different options for what might work for um, for you specifically. And then lastly, the, the last part of the course, we actually talk about how you can actually work on reducing unnecessary stress that you might have. So some stress is always necessary, but um, there might be ways that you can actually reduce some of your stress if you make some changes, um, establish boundaries, things like that, that you might not have actually been practicing or, or known about. So we, we kind of deliver an introductory program that really takes you through the full, like we call it three R's of stress management. So recognizing, then relieving, and then finally reducing. So I think that's, that's what we think. And then, and then we're also um, tracking like how you're actually doing throughout the program in terms of your stress and energy levels and what changes you see through, throughout. So we're really kind of also focusing on that data component um, and how you can, and what you can do, what, what trends you can see from that, which we feel other apps or services aren't really doing as much. So then in terms of generating the data, is it through wearables? Is it through surveys? How are you making sure that you know what's actually going on? So right now, this is like our MVP version. And so right now we kind of put together an experience um, combining a few different um, tools. So we're using um, Typeform where you um, you actually note and you record your, your stress and energy levels. Um, and you also, that's where you actually watch your, your daily lessons. And then we have like activities that go along with those lessons. Um, so we use Typeform um, and then we use Slack as our community and accountability tool to kind of remind you to, to check in, to also share your progress. Um, and then so, so it's delivered via email that, and that takes you to Typeform, which is where we deliver the, the lesson and the activity and where you where we track your data. And then um, and then Slack is where you kind of have share and, and, and stay accountable to your community. So we kind of deliver it currently in a cohort type of model. Um, down the line, we, you know, we would want to build out a, a full app for the experience. But right now, this is kind of our MVP version, and, and that's how we're collecting data and, and running the program. And I feel like we have a couple of alums who are in the startup space, whether it's you know, app-based things or, or nonprofits. Like what hard lessons have you learned in the startup reality, and what kind of things have you felt like you've actually done pretty well with? 
Yeah. So I have to say um, that I'm pretty early in, in this journey. So I'm, I'm still I'm still learning a lot. But I think one, one thing that I've learned is just being completely open to, well, first of all, just like learning how to be um, comfortable with uncertainty, I think is like one of the most important things that, that I've learned and that you have to learn really early on. Um, and then um, two, I would say just um, being comp- not being attached to the shape that your product takes, not being, you know, not being, uh, being open to all types of feedback. So you might, you know, as a, as a founder or as a product manager, you come in with a hypothesis about what you think the problem is and what you think the solution is based on, you know, a, a myriad of different things, right? Data, your intuition, <clears throat> whatever it may be. But um, ultimately, you have to be okay with pivoting if you see that what your initial hypothesis was is, is slightly, whether it's totally wrong or just slightly wrong, not being attached to the product so that you can actually make the best decision for customers and obviously for your company down the line. So that's that's one of the biggest things that I've learned. And also, um, I'd say just like, especially early on, looking for a community of supporters, um, whether it's through a formal ecosystem like a, an accelerator, accelerator or something like that, or really just like going out to the, being intentional, obviously, because you have to be doing work as well, but being intentional about um, going out there and going to events because there's so many people really that are, that are, that are trying to help um, and that, you know, uh, could be potentially interested in your idea or helping in some way. So just going, just getting out there because we've, we've, um, we've had some amazing conversations and, and potential, you know, investors and help that we've, that we've gotten just in the past couple of weeks, just from having to sh- showing up at an event that we had no expectations, from, you know? Yeah. It's great to hear. Listen, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other things Shelly's working on and thanks for listening. We'll be right back. All right. So tell me a little bit about Leap. I know there's so many education priorities right now in the city, whether it's trying to avert an LUSD strike or having some excitement about Gavin Newsom and, and early education and initiatives that he wants to start once he takes over as governor in January. What kind of things does Leap work on? So what LEP does, um, it, it, what's great is it, it like it, it forms partnerships. So first of all, so it works with students from um, preschool up until high school. And so one thing they, they have an early Head Start program. So they have that. But then when it comes to elementary and then high schools, uh, they actually just partner with the high schools to figure out like, where are you guys at? Where do you need help? And then they plug in um, and provide whatever, whatever resources, um, whether it's a community specialist, whether it's helping them set up um, uh, different workshops. So they kind of plug in with the high schools, depending on what their needs are. So, for example, I just um, volunteered with them yesterday and they were helping Miguel Contreras Complex, which is in, in downtown L.A., um, just set up some mock interviews. So they have like different schools at that school. So they have like a school of business and tourism, for example, and they were doing mock interviews where the students were actually, you know, pretending to apply to a potential job. And so um, LAP just came in and facilitated the, 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 the full interview process. So they kind of just plug in depending on what the needs of the high schools are. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you think about ways that just in general, LA can improve the public education experience for kiddos, what would you want to see happen? Um, that's a good question. Tough question. Um, I mean, I think that it would just be, it would be great if 
more public schools had the the space and opportunity to try out different things. So, so like I love what I'm seeing Miguel Contreras do. Um, one of the volunteers I spoke to um, talked to me about a school, a social justice humanitas school that's that's also a public school. So I, I just wish that some of these public schools had more opportunity to try different things and partner with with um, nonprofits like LAAP to to test different initiatives and even and even if they fail, but be able to have the flexibility and ability to to test different um, styles and, of instruction and learning and, and support. Yeah. And last thing, just because you have that tech background or you're a little bit plugged into that space, what kind of trends or new technology things will we see in 2019? Any predictions? Um, I think that uh, well, everyone probably can, can kind of uh, see this, but just a, a, a greater uh, presence of AI and machine learning. It's, I mean, it's going to be, we, it's kind of a sort of in the periphery now, but it, it'll become even more of like a mainstay and, and part of your, your everyday experience. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe second to last thing I, I should have said, but yeah, the last thing for real, you know, we start with the new fellows, uh, in January that we just picked them, uh, about six weeks ago. So we're excited to see them in January. It's a, been a while since we saw you, right? January 2013. Yeah. yeah. Was, uh, six years ago. <laughs> looking, back on that, looking back on that experience, what do you remember the most about it? Um, yeah, just because just it's almost been, yeah, six six years. Yeah. Oh, time flies. We're old. Um, I think, yeah. I think that uh, what I remember most about it was, was actually really um, just how plugged in I felt to like the pulse of, of LA and how grateful I was for that through, through what we were learning, through what all the other fellows were doing. So that was, that was amazing. And that's actually what, what, um, something that I've carried with me since then, that just always looking to be plugged in because I felt, it felt so fulfilling to, to just be aware of what was going on, but also just see like, and feel connected to, you know, what, these fellows were doing in LA, which was, which was awesome. Um, and I think also what I remember is um, just pushing myself to be a little bit more vulnerable, um, which I felt that the program brought out on us and, and just reminding me to just what we can get out of when we're a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah, I agree. Well, listen, y'all are one of the greatest classes that we had. 2013 is definitely memorable and it was a good crew and always good to catch up with you. Thanks for being on. Thanks for everyone for listening to this episode of the Zag. You can find, all our past episodes, and there's a lot of them, over 100 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Check them all out. And until the next episode, we'll see you soon.